Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 31 of All the Way Down. We are 31 episodes in, my man. That's right. And you know what, too, is I have a retro game to talk about today, so that's fun. <laughs> did you know that? Did you know that I, I'm 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 currently speaking with a with a gentleman named Dash Retro. Oh yeah, that's who I my that's the name that I go by. It's yeah. Dash. That's me. And you're it's Knox. A good name. I'm Knox. Yeah. And this is All the Way Down, episode 31. Did you say that part? I think I said that part. All right. Like yeah. cool. That's all. That's all the. That's all the <laughs> like required things to say, right? Yeah, we're not well, sponsored. We're you know? we're not sponsored yet. Although uh, I am, I am uh, vastly, vastly uh, anticipating my email from. Oh shoot! What is it? Raid Shadow Legends that does everybody. Mm-hmm. We can Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> uh, Displate. Uh, Skillshare. Skillshare. Uh, Nord VPN. You know, all of them. <laughs> okay, okay, all wait, don't, at once, don't plug okay. anyone else. We got, we got to get money first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So, uh, real quick, you said you had a game to talk about, but last week we kind of left on a little bit of a, a cliffhanger. I wanted to talk about, which was NFTs and gaming. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you want to talk about that first, or do you just want to hop right into games? I mean, I may be projecting here, but if I were listening to this, I'd be like, "Fuck all that NFT stuff." I'm here to. Here to listen to some retro game talk. That's true. It is an escapist thing that I that I like this subject for. But mm. unfortunately, I think um, we can't escape for very long. That's true. Uh, the yeah, reason yeah. I shared the subject earlier uh, last week was because Kirby uh, had it. Like, a, was it the 30th anniversary of Kirby? I think is soon. Oh, this is what you talked about. Yeah, that Kirby has some. Yeah, there was some NFT business with that. Yeah. Um. I actually don't see. Um, I see a bunch of people trying to sell Kirby's uh, Kirby NFT crap like on on Google. I don't see too much in the news of it. I don't know if anything's developed of it since then, but it looked like um, I don't have the picture right up yet. But it looked like from like a preview or an announcement that Nintendo was going, "Hey, we're gonna celebrate the, uh, the 30th anniversary of Kirby and whatnot. Uh, get ready." It was kind of like a hype thing on Twitter they did. But the background image that, like the image that they shared in the background, was like it looked like it, you were looking at like a Pokemon tr- uh, strategy guide. You know, you see all the sprites and then the number, and it was like this is what Kirby looks like doing this, or this is flying Kirby, or this is like something like that. It had like a number next to it, and it was kind of almost pixel art kind of i want to say i remember a little bit maybe not but uh a lot of people speculated based off that that oh shit what is in what what is nintendo doing getting into the nft business because it already was a thing with konami konami i don't know if you know this but they had they held an auction for Mm -hmm. castlevania art and music nfts and Mm -hmm. i'm uh regardless of how you feel i guess about nfts it's so hard for me to come up with any other excuse for Konami or anyone doing this um, for doing this other than just uh, we want money, mm-hmm. me money a lot right now. <laughs> okay, yeah. so the reason I say this is because there's no like, oh man, sorry, I don't want to go off the deep end in here, but I, I there's like no reason like there's no function to this it's just kind of like hey here's a collector's thing we're releasing quote unquote um 
have yeah, at it. <laughs> when you talk about like collector products, you know, you and I both kind of agreed on the idea that like when you go to so for something as simple as collecting retro video games, a big part of it is playing them. You wanna you wanna buy games to play them, right? Yes. Um, and then also it's neat that it's something that you own as well. If it goes up in value, that's kind of cool. But you bought it to play it, right? Uh, so it does sound kind of weird to have collector items be something that isn't functional. It's a non-functional yeah. transaction. <laughs> it's a non-functional uh, token. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or token, right, yeah. yeah. Um, clearly, well, I know nothing about NFTs, though. I didn't even know what they stood for. <laughs> okay, yeah, so... I, I I don't want to get too into the into the uh, into the thick of it, but essentially, uh, if you understand how crypto works, you'll understand how tokens work, and uh, tokens are just essentially like well, maybe like Ethereum. That's like a token that you would use in the Ethereum blockchain. A lot of a lot of systems and other cryptos are actually built upon the same framework, um, but essentially, it's a way for everyone to verify with everyone else that you own a thing essentially without any centralized you know authority you know granting you okay this guy owns that thing because we say so it's actually because everyone says so that we own this and that's how like, it's a consensus based blockchain that's a, that, well not all of them are like that but bitcoin and most of them are like that essentially as far as my understanding goes now an nft is what's called a non-fungible token which just means it can't be redeemed for money. It's it's like not, well, <laughs> given what they are, it's kind of ironic to call it that, but it's like not a, meant to be a thing. It's, it's essentially meant to be a one-time mint uh, digital item. And yeah. um, the best way I've heard it described to me is think of it in the use case of like you want to belong to a club and the club doesn't distribute anything physically. They just want... Uh, you know, they they have they need like a need for proof of membership or whatever, and so far I think that might be the only explanation I've heard that that uh, that kind of makes sense to me because at the same time if you need proof of you know ownership or stake of something you can physically own it and it is mm -hmm. a lot you know depending on what it is a lot 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 less resource intensive. Uh, and and you know just draining the the world's computer resources, <laughs> trying to essentially say hey this is who owns this every second of every day you know um, it's a cool system, but the idea that like you know I'm 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 burning you know coal right out the earth to say that I have a uh, I have a little animated GIF file of Simon Belmont walking in a direction. Uh, the, and no one else can own that because <laughs> Konami minted it and sold it to me. You know, I, I didn't buy it, but I was trying to say there was a Castlevania NFT auction. Um, I followed that and that's when I kind of started paying attention because I was like, okay, what's going on here? What can Konami do? Right? Mm -hmm. What are these little digital representations of, of, of Konami property going to do for me? What can I do for them aside from, you know, sell them? What purpose do they serve? I can't find any really. And um, I, I don't want to ramble on, but it, it reminds me back of when Cartoon Network had this thing right, pretty much right after the dot-com burst was you know happening and all the all the channels had their own you know websites and networks oh you can look at this cartoon at this time oh uh there's mini games for this cartoon which is by the way one of the reasons why cartoon network was awesome because there was mini games but like they started building this like 
auction house kind of thing. And this was long before NFTs. But they made it so like you could log in to the Cartoon Network website. You could go and uh, do fun things on the website in this area here in like a Shockwave Flash Player game. And essentially the more time you spent there and, and the more like things you did on the website, you got more of a chance to unlock an item or just essentially like a picture of like, I don't know, Muriel from Courage the Cowardly Dog with a, I don't know, washing dishes, you know, essentially. And it was like, it's like the same thing. Except I'm not paying a whole, like, you know, it, it's centralized in that it was Cartoon Network hosting it. But I was putting all this time and work into, like, you know, into this digital thing that I couldn't do anything with. And it was like, dude, I this is kind of like World of Warcraft to me. This is kind of like uh, paying for a buttload of cosmetics in a game that I don't care that much about in. You know, it's there's there's so much here that I can't physically own. But the NFTs are the only thing that, like, I don't get anything out of. Like, <laughs> back on mm-hmm. the Cartoon Network, I, I could collect things and go, oh, cool, that's cool. What do I do with them now? I guess I just log off and go play a video game or something. Like, I didn't find a use case for it back then. I don't see a use case for it right now. And I don't see any move into the NFT world right now by any companies, uh, especially the ones that I've seen doing what they're doing, as anything other than a cash grab. It's hard to see it any other way. Have you have you paid any attention to any of that? Yeah, I no, I haven't. Um, okay. I, but yeah, being someone who knows nothing about any of this stuff, uh, yeah, certainly. It's really easy for me to look at it and say that I don't see any value in it because I'm not someone who has heard any of the arguments as to why it is yeah. good. You know what I mean? I just don't know anything. So okay. to me, absolutely, it does look like, oh, you're buying some digital thing that doesn't do anything, but maybe it'll yeah. go up in value or something. I don't know. Well, uh, you're, you're, you're pretty much on so, the money there. Yeah. Like, I mean, no pun intended, but the idea, essentially, uh, it all boils down to the power of currency, money, being in the hands of the people rather than a government that can oversee, manipulate, steal, you know, all the sort of thing. So sure. the idea is that um, the only way you can trust that sort of thing is by consensus and just, you know, um, essentially I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to buy $20 of X cryptocurrency. Uh, when I do that, it goes on to the network and tells the entire network and every every other computer node talks to each other to tell them the entire public ledger and uh, you know adjust with the new calculations so essentially it's like one big mass of people and i'm yelling at this dickhead over here hey i got 20 bucks and that dickhead goes oh i just got 20 bucks did everyone hear that okay everyone he's got 20 bucks and he's go okay well i got 20 bucks over here too okay no i'm gonna talk to the guy i just talked to so on so on and so forth it's all all computers talking to each other just agreeing with each other that a number is a number and uh essentially the only way it can really be taken out is you know if like you know, if the Earth suffered some kind of huge solar flare and every last bit of the record was gone, or all the mm-hmm. paper wallet addresses were down, and when the computers got back, if, if they couldn't talk to each other, then it's all down and everyone lost all their money. So the idea mm-hmm. is that it's a, a use for currency, but of course right now it's being used as a store of value. People are getting a lot of money on get-rich-quick shit going on with crypto. Uh, a lot of stuff I don't really want to get into, but essentially it's the new frontier in terms of technology. 
So to loop it, yeah, not all good. <laughs> yeah, um, to loop. From what I've gathered, of what I've overheard, is that yeah, it's a very hotly debated thing as to the ethics of it and whatnot. Yeah, um, to loop it back to Kirby, though, mm-hmm. I guess the only thing I would say to add to that is that Kirby isn't. I don't think Kirby is fully owned by Nintendo. I think it's yeah. owned by Cur- uh, Nintendo as well as HAL Laboratory. Is it um, Hal? Yeah, I think Hal did Kirby too. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think they own Kirby, or at least they own it together, or something like that. So, yeah. you know, I don't have much to say about like what it would mean that they that you know they're selling NFT stuff that has to do with Kirby, except that it could be Hal and not Nintendo, or I, maybe I found they... it right here. Um, mm-hmm. And sorry, uh, appreciate y'all hanging out in chat too. But here's the link to it. I'm gonna put that in chat. You can see that picture I was actually talking about just now. You'll see a bunch of Kirby's and all sorts of different like poses and hats and colors and like people saw that and immediately went, "Oh no!" <laughs> right? Yeah. So I, I do wonder whether it is Hal or if it's Hal and Nintendo together. I guess on this thing that you just linked, that there is um, a Nintendo of America Twitter post. Uh, talks about it um so yeah i yeah i guess it, it has something to do with them um yeah i don't know i got <laughs> i got uh nothing really to add to it though i guess i just wanted to to bring it up here and just say hey uh in another public forum a whole bunch of other people are not happy about this if that's what they're doing i don't even know if nintendo or Hal is doing that mm-hmm. but konami certainly did um <laughs> i actually um it was the first time i ever delved into the possibility of maybe buying an nft and i use possibility with the lightest you know emphasis possible like i wasn't planning on it but i wanted to see what people were willing to pay no yeah. i didn't I, I unfortunately missed the day that the auctions were ending but i did check back into them i want to say like one or two maybe three days before the auction end um and the one that i looked at which was just you know i wanted something simple I didn't want, but I wanted to look at something simple. Like, okay, I just want a simple animated GIF file, something that's not music because that's probably a lot more data to hash and shit. So I looked at it and it was like Simon Belmont walking. I think it was uh, from Castlevania 2. His, uh, his like red shirt sprite. And I think that thing was at like $200 three days before the auction ended. And you know how auctions go. The two, right. Three days before is nothing. Yeah. So two hundred dollars being thrown down, you know, fucking thirty six hours before the end, tells me that there are diehard Konami fans out there, and uh, I, I think they are willing to eat this shit up before Konami even knows what the fuck they're even gonna do with those things. Like, I mean, obviously they can't do anything with the NFTs because once you buy them, they're gone. The person owns it, right? <laughs> Presumably, you know, assuming you don't just screen sh- screen copy it and copy and paste, but. Um, yeah, it, it sound the whole idea like this. I, I, again, can't stress mm-hmm. enough. I don't know what I'm talking about, uh, but the whole idea of selling a copyrighted thing as an NFT yeah. sounds very weird to me. Like the how, idea. Does, like, does, does Konami sound like the kind of company that would just like start selling their assets? <laughs> right. So it's like so you're selling someone a, an animation of Earthworm Jim walking or whatever, mm-hmm. but the person doesn't own Earthworm Jim now. No. 
but they own this very specific animation. And man, but that is a great point. Though. Because that actually brings up the idea that if they're selling these and they're, you're not buying the rights to obviously like that, you're buying the rights to that GIF file. You're not buying the rights to anything Castlevania. Castlevania kind of, or not Castlevania, Konami kind of like, kind of by proxy admits that they're not going to do anything with this. There's not really any function in them. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's kind of like, it's, it's, I wonder if, um, if they're just trying to get some money off of some people willing to pay and they're never going to do anything with those things ever again. It's not going to, you know, what, right. what are they going to do? Or is there a small part of them that's playing the long game that thinks, hey, maybe somewhere down the line uh, we can make big money on this because maybe, maybe Konami bought the NFTs. Who knows? Mm, That's mm-hmm. another thing about blockchain shit is it's very, very private. Um, unless you, you know, you follow the public ledger records, then you can trace shit back. It's actually less, less private than uh, the U.S. dollar. If you want to get into that argument, but anyway, mm-hmm. it's it's something that they're admitting on face value. Hey, uh, here's these things. Uh, they're worthless, but they're Konami. They're official. You can buy them if you want, and then we'll get all the money. Or uh, is 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 some small part of them going shit maybe we shouldn't be putting our balls out on the table so soon and then maybe the nft thing is going to be huge and then i don't know that's true too <laughs> that's kind of an interesting point but yeah um yeah like like from from the little bit that i've heard the thing that's really hard for me to wrap my head around is like do, so every every token has some sort of uh media attached to it it's some sort of like um visual or audio thing that is attached to it right like it's a drawing really so it's kind of a thing well i don't understand as much either but at least from konami's auction it was little bits of audio like sounds like little clippets of music um Mm -hmm. an animated gif file of like a sprite or just like a straight up like uh portrait level or uh, landscape uh of a of like part of one of the levels or something so, and this is this is what I don't really get. Okay, so the music is a really good example for yes. what what I'm what I'm struggling to wrap my head around here is that so they sell so someone buys the music, the, uh, NFT. That doesn't mean that Konami can't then put that song in another game because they still own the rights to the song you know this is a really good uh good thing to look into legally speaking because yeah you're not with nfts you are buying an instance of Mm. data i just are not i don't think you're subject to any kind of copyright i don't think you're buying any rights to anything i don't think you're so i'm really struggling to understand what is to stop them or anyone Mm -hmm. from selling the same thing to multiple people well the i would think that's the network itself so if you're going to sell the same exact thing uh i don't think it would work i think if you were to say the same exact thing data gets hashed and the hashes checked or something yeah the, the data itself is what's confirmed on the network but okay. they could sell the same exact thing with one fucking pixel, one right. hexadecimal value off, and it would be an entirely new NFT. Okay, that's kind of yeah, that's kind of the answer, which is weird, yeah. very strange. But um, but okay, I mean, I guess uh, you know, yeah, theoretically, <laughs> that's my speaking. old man answer. You know, I guess. All right. <laughs> 
I mean, there's a large, I mean, I think it's fair to say that there's probably the majority of people um, on the gaming side of this who are not looking at NFTs in a positive light. And if they are, they're usually crypto bros already. And I, we can break down cult behavior, you know, another time, but I don't need to tell Mm -hmm. you it's, if you have a stake in something, of course you're going to be rooting for it. So it's, it's hard to know and, and hard to know what to trust right now because another thing about crypto is it's again, very privacy focused. So who even knows who's holding what? Mm -hmm. It's legally required in the United States for you to report your, uh, transactions, I don't know about your holdings, but you are required to report your transactions to the IRS. Mm. Um, It didn't used to be that way, but they made that a law a couple years ago. And man, I stopped transacting as much at that time. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. Um, It's it's there's not much stop in Konami, man. It just looks like a greed, a money grab, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's easy for me to say because I, uh, again, I don't know enough to know what the positive side is. But uh, well, I you think know. most of the people listening to this are probably in your same shoes. Like, not everyone's super into crypto. I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm interested in technology in general. So, it's, I have, I have my my agreements with it, and and obviously disagreements. But I do personally believe in crypto. I'm just still waiting for that use case for the NFT thing, man. It's mm-hmm. it's I'm waiting for it to come along because. I do like the idea that uh, I can have assigned to my address, you know, and addresses can change. So that's not, you know, the ground level of security. Um, you know, you could you could have someone with a different, you know, so you could have a paper wallet, which is just a, a sheet of paper with a long code written on it. And you can hand that to someone else and that's their wallet now. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like there's an extreme use case for I belong to this club who does this activity that meets at this time or whatever, you know, it's like money has a much bigger use case to me than, than tickets, I guess, if you want to think of them that way. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always, you know, willing to accept explanations. I'm open. I, I, I want to like technology like this, but man, it's hard to not see all the downsides when you're, struggling to see the upsides sure now you were talking about a game you've been playing lately yeah uh last week i played a sega genesis game how do you like that oh i think i know what we're talking about i played another sega genesis game it's called another one well another one as in last time i talked about genesis it was castlevania bloodlines okay okay. except i might not have talked about that on this cast yet because you haven't played that one yet yeah you didn't Um, You're, you're being a gentleman and waiting Right, so I played a different Genesis game, and it's called Gunstar Heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's made by Treasure, is the company that made it. Um, is this it like is the tre- it's like Treasure or something, T-R-E-Z-U-R-E or something like that? Uh, I don't think so, well, I'm but I'm going to open up the uh, manual here to answer that question while I talk about it. But uh, yeah, this is the first game that I played by them. Apparently they have some other games, like people are telling me to play some game called, I think, Alien Soldier is yeah. another game that they made. Uh, that everyone says I should play. I've heard, uh, heard of Alien Soldier as well. So Gunstar Heroes is awesome. I really liked it. Uh, it's a run-and-gun kind of Contra style, you know, run-and-gun shooter. Um, but what really, really super stands out about it immediately to set it apart from any other game, any other run-and-gun that I've seen, is the weapon system. So the game has only 
four weapons in it, right? It's got direct shot, which is just your shot, right? You you shoot, cool. It's got homing, which are homing shots. You know, you shoot less of them, but they home. It's got a flamethrower. That's a flamethrower, cool. And it's got a laser, right? And lasers like penetrate, you know. Um, so those are the four weapons. But just like in Contra Three, you can hold two of them at a time. I've actually never played Contra. Oh, okay. So in Contra Three and in Gunstar Heroes, you can uh, you can hold two weapons at once, and you can flip between them, right? But in Gunstar Heroes, there is a third weapon selection mode that combines the two weapons that you have. Ooh. So there's not just four. So there's four individual weapons, but every combination of oh, those yeah. are another thing. Yeah. Like a Voltron gun. Um, and you can even double up on the same one to just get a more powerful version of it. You know. Nice. So like you, if you have two, if you have homing, homing. It's just like these super homing shots where you shoot a lot more of them. They're way smarter and faster with their homing, and uh, and you know they're super good. But if you get the homing laser, it makes it so that you shoot just a single laser out, but it like flies all around the screen, tracking one enemy at a time. You know, like, <laughs> like it, it picks- bounces. <laughs> yeah, uh, but well, it picks cool. one enemy and just like locks on them and spins around on top of them until they're dead, you know. And then it like picks the next enemy and go once they're dead and goes over to them and spins on them until they're dead, you know. So like the laser, you have to babysit it a little bit more because like if it gets locked on something with a lot of health, when there's a lot of ads, sometimes you want to like release it and re reshoot it so that it locks onto something else, you know, um, because it just picks one thing at a time you know and goes to it while the homing homing just kind of sprays everywhere right and then there's like the homing flamethrower is really weird because that one is like it shoots a fire shot that then you have control over like you can move it around the screen with your d-pad um you know and that's just the homing combinations well then there's also homing direct but i thought that one sucked uh and then there's like, uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, there's like the flamethrower with the laser makes like a lightsaber that's really strong. Did I ever tell um, you about Eight Man? I think it was a Neo Geo game. I, no. I don't remember if I talked about it on this podcast or not. No, there's, I don't think so. There's not much to talk about, but it's um, it's it's the only kind of run and gun kind of thing that I think I've played before. It's it's an arcade thing on the Neo Geo, like I said. But it's, so it's like these tall sprites. You're not this like little dude on a screen. Um, but you're running the entire time on like one platform. It's usually like the street, and then you're shooting before you and behind you and all that. I know it's not like Gunstar Heroes because I've seen Gunstar Heroes a little bit being played, but I didn't get to play Contra, so I'm assuming it's like kind of like a, a shoot 'em up, but like with with platformer elements. Okay, so it's like an auto-runner shooter. Oh, I'm asking you about Gunstar. Oh, Gunstar. What was the question then? Is it like a shoot-em-up with, like, like with platforming elements? There's some platforming, yeah. Um, okay. But, okay, so we're... So, yeah, so, so that's the weapon system, right? And it's really fucking cool. And it's, like, really what, what, what yeah. sold me early on on the game. Um, but, yeah, so we can talk about the platforming. There's a little bit of platforming, right? Um, the controls of the game are pretty cool because, like, you can run and jump and shoot, but if you double tap 
jump like you hit jump again while you're in the air you do this dive and the dive like actually melee damages enemies when nice. you dive through them uh but if you're ducking and hit jump then you do a slide the slide also damages stuff if you hit shoot while you're overlapping an enemy you'll actually grab them and throw them mm-hmm. so you can like so it so uh the the main action of the game like running through a level ends up um being pretty interesting where there's a lot of like you know, there's a lot of running and shooting, but then also a lot of like grabbing dudes and throwing them into other dudes and sliding and that kind of stuff to slide through dudes and stuff. Um, that is where though I I I will come up with my uh one of my it, it brings up a couple complaints. Um, let's talk actual complaint though. So the game's got two modes of control that you choose at the start of the game. You choose your control method, and you are locked to this method throughout the whole game. And the two options are either you can run and gun, where you will shoot in the direction that you are aiming the D-pad, while the D-pad will also move your character, you know? So you can, like, shoot diagonally up, and your character will also be running to the right while you do that, you know? Just kind of exactly how you would expect it to control. Then the other mode is when you shoot, it locks you in place, so you can stand in one spot and shoot in multiple directions. And the thing is that these are both very, very useful things that you should be able to do all the time because they're both useful at different times and there's a certain other 16-bit system (laughs) that has a thing called a shoulder button on the controller that is perfect for this function to swap you between these two modes which the Genesis controller does not have. You gotta swap between modes is what I'm hearing? No, you can't. You have to pick one in Gunstar Heroes, and mm. that's it. Now, there is another game where you swap between modes, and it's called Contra Hardcore on Genesis. Oh, yeah. You know, that's the game where there's, yes, there, it's like while you're shooting, you can press another button to lock you in place, uh, but it's also another face button. You know, on the Super Nintendo, you just fucking hold down a shoulder button, and it locks your character in place, and it solves all the problems. Mm-hmm. But in Gunstar Heroes, you just have no option. You have to choose how to do it, and then that's it. That's how you have to play the whole game. Now, it it like the game's great. Like, right, the game is really good, and like it's not like it makes it. You know, it, it didn't make me dislike the game, but it did make me have to use homing 100% of the time. Oh, no. Because, because like, so often you want to shoot at something diagonally, but I'm not going to pick the lock me in place every time I press the fire button option. So instead I'm just going to pick the homing gun and aim the gun up when I want to stop in place and shoot diagonally. You know what I mean? Yeah, that sounds Um, obnoxious. So, yeah. So at least the game does still have this really fucking cool weapon system where I can combine the homing with the other different weapons for the different uh, for the different things. But I did feel like I was basically forced to use homing the entire time because of the lack of a just simple shoulder button lock you in place action that how like, many, Contra um, 3 has. How many hours would you estimate you're in so far? Uh, I probably played it for like eight hours at this point. Okay, not bad. Um, yeah, I beat uh, maybe maybe a little more. I beat it on normal without dying, and so then I beat it on hard mode. But hard mode was a lot of dying. I had to I had to try many times to beat it on hard, but I did it. Um, yeah. It was really tough though. But yeah, yeah. I, 
I was going to say that, I mean, those games in general are hard in general, like older, older games, retro games are just, they're so much more unforgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, I was going to ask, this is like your second or third Genesis game? Yeah, basically. I've played Contra Hardcore, Castlevania Bloodlines, and uh, and I, I've played Sonic, right? I played Sonic. Um, <laughs> and then, Gun- yeah, and then Gunstar Heroes. That's it. Those are, those are the Genesis yeah, games I've, I've played. Yeah, I've fucking played Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is, well, yeah. I mean, well, I, I just heard the person, the imaginary other person in my head. Uh-huh. Haven't you played Sonic? You know, and yeah, yeah, I played Sonic. You've played um, more than just the first one, though, right? No, I just played the first Sonic. Okay, there's a reason that that was your reaction then. I was going to say, I've heard the second one's better. You got to play. Okay, so I can't actually vouch too much for the second one. I've heard everyone loves the second one, but when I was a kid, uh, one of the first video games I got for my first ever console, Sega Genesis, was the third one. Yeah, yeah. uh, I thought the third one had so much cinematics compared to like all the other Genesis games that I had. Like Columns was a puzzle game, so it's not going to have too much mm-hmm. anyway. Um, I had Vector Man, which was a platformer. It was kind of like their... Uh, man, I highly recommend Vector I've, Man, by I've the way. I've seen Vector Man. Isn't that a run and gun? It is. It's a, it's a lot. It's it's their competitor Mega Man, I think, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a friend <laughs> who, who showed that comparison to me, a vegan Tyler. He showed that comparison to me, and I was like, oh... Damn it! I guess it really was supposed to be Mega Man back in the day, wasn't it? I didn't think mm. about it because at the time, uh, Mega Man for me, I was only playing on the NES, and that was like once oh, yeah. in a blue moon when I could <clears> at my daycare. But I had a Sega Genesis, and I played Vector Man all the time. So it was like this. It, it was more than that, I guess, because like one of the things about Vector Man was he had forms where Mega Man is just kind of always Mega Man. Maybe he'll get more armor and maybe an upgraded weapon rate. I think. I, I think <laughs> I haven't mm. played too many Mega Man's, but like the uh, the idea was that a certain power up for Vector Man would change him into a certain form. Like he could be a buggy, like a little car, you know, or he mm. could be um, shit. Uh, what else could he be? Like a, he could be a fish. He could be a bomb. He could be a train. He could be a lot of things. It was cool, um, and that was like a bonus level. Lots of cool stuff to do. Lots of cool like. Uh, tricks that you could see the genesis pulling on you visually to to pull off like you know the scene of what they're trying to do cool to see it that way you know how like uh you know super super nintendo had like the mode 7 graphics it's kind of that but a little bit less extent you know Mm -hmm. a lot of 3d or 2d manipulation to simulate 3d very cool i i I think you'll really like the genesis if you dig in deeper i mean there's a lot of shovelware like there is of course for every game system but yeah um I think you might have to sift slightly harder for Sega for Sega gems, but like at the same time, the ones you do find are insanely good, and the even like the bad games for Genesis I've found, the ones that aren't totally unplayable still have their charm to them. Well, one thing I can say really positively after basically just having played these few games is that the D-pad on the Genesis controller is way better than yes. I thought it looked. Mm. I think it looks like garbage because it looks kind of rough because it's a circle. disc. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but uh, it actually feels really good. It's very responsive, and it uh, you don't do any accidental diagonals and stuff. It's just it's a 
really, really solid D-pad. Um, the face buttons feel pretty good, too. It's just, it needs some fucking shoulder buttons, dude. It, it drives does. me nuts. It does. Uh, so, so, It got yeah. them later on in the Sega Saturn. So. Okay. So, so back, speaking of which, and back to Gunstar Heroes, the other mm -hmm. thing about it, my other, like, I guess my other kind of complaint about it being someone who has grown up playing a lot of Contra, right, is that when you think of Contra, you think of a, it's a run and gun, but also the platforming in Contra is yeah. pretty strong, you know? Uh, there's like a, you know, there's a level where you um, are in like the first Contra for NES, even for example, you know, the first level has a lot of kind of multiple pathways you can take where you're either running across the top or you drop down to where you're swimming on the bottom. There's parts where there's pits that you got to jump over and you die if you fall in the pit, you know, and yeah. then there's a lot of interesting setups of where enemies are located where it's like, okay, here's a pit, but standing on the other side of the pit. It is a guy that just stands there. He wasn't just, he didn't just spawn in like there's, there's guys that randomly spawn in left and right every once in a while that you got to shoot, but this guy, he's always there, right, on the other side of the pit. And he shoots at you. Uh, and so you have to like time the way that you're going to jump over the pit to also avoid his bullets so that then you can shoot him while you're doing that, you know, and it's like a little, it's like a little thing you got to do, you know what I mean? While with Gunstar Heroes, uh, I actually sounds like Metal Slug, what you said. Um, I kind of felt like with Gunstar Heroes that the levels were mostly you just run forward and just in in like a hilarious amount of enemies are just pouring into the sides of the screen constantly. <laughs> you know cool. what I mean? And it's like a total clusterfuck the entire time, which in its own way is fun and cool and good. But I'm missing those, like, really special little platforming set pieces. You know what I mean? I like how Contra has the pits you got to jump over and the, the different layers of platforms that you got to work with So you're with saying it's, like, just one kind of solid dimension and very linear? Yeah, like, okay. you know, it, do it does things, you know? Like, you run to the right for a while, but then, like, the first level's got these stairs that you gotta jump up, and you're kind of shooting guys while you jump up the stairs. Okay, that's cool. And then you're sliding down the other side, and yeah, you gotta shoot guys while you're sliding, you know? Um, so it definitely changes it up visually and how it feels, and all of that is cool, and maybe it's almost as good. Like, maybe it's better than I'm make maybe making it sound. It's really cool. Uh, but really what I found with Gunstar Heroes that it did really well where it excelled at its levels, um, but Contra does this too, is how different the different levels feel in their gameplay style. As in, the first level is run and gun, but then the second level you're on like a bike, you know? And you can like switch between whether you're riding on the ceiling or riding on the floor, you know? <laughs> and like, uh, and you know, then it, but But it's the same thing though. You're just riding from left to right and there's no like jumps that you have to time or anything. It's just like you're riding and just a fucking ass load of enemies are just pouring into the sides the entire time and you just is there a lot shoot. of slowdown no no it, it plays great <sighs> really um yeah that's good uh uh but you know it like it's still cool though it changed it up a little bit it's cool uh there's like a straight up space shooter level that's really awesome you know also so like it does different things contra does too though contra's got 
In the first game, it's got those levels where you're looking down the hallway instead of being a side-scroller. That's pretty sweet. Contra 2 had the top-down levels. Contra 3 had the top-down levels where you could mode 7, rotate 360 degrees, right? So those games changed it up too, but I just felt like the actual level design is a little bit more interesting in Contra. Um, but yeah. <clears throat> that said, loved Gunstar Heroes overall. I thought that oh. the ga the main gameplay was very cool. The boss bat I think the boss battles are where it excels the most. The boss battles in Gunstar Heroes are fucking incredible, and there's a lot of them, and they have a lot of phases, and they're really fun to learn. Uh, and yeah, so I I would definitely say that um, from what I you know from the little bit of Genesis I've played, it's it's a it's a must when, play. When did Contra <laughs> Hardcore come out? I don't know. Would you say it was after 93? I uh, I kind of have no clue. So Gunstar Heroes came out in 93. Um, I'm just reading the wiki here. Apparently, Treasure, I was thinking they were spelled like Trezor or whatever earlier because I was thinking of Trezor or Trezor, which is actually a wallet company for crypto. So funny little crossover there. But oh, yeah. uh, Treasure itself is a, according to Wikipedia, a Japanese is a Japanese, not was, so cool little bit there, uh, is a Japanese video game developer company based in Tokyo, known for its action platform and shoot 'em up games, but the company was founded in 1992 by former Konami employees. Oh, so, okay. So, Konami, depending, oh man, I gotta know this now. When well, did, I just uh, looked it up, Contra Hardcore came out in 94. So, Contra Hardcore came out... With an like you know still with Konami but probably a whole new team working to develop the platform even more after you know Treasure was a thing and made this game right before so it's kind of like Contra Hardcore had the you know the advantage of at least a year's worth of lead time in in development mm -hmm. uh, with presumably new eyes and a new project so maybe that's a little bit of a handicap there but I mean. It came out a little bit later, so it just had a little bit, you know, more time to cook. So I guess it's yeah. a little unfair to compare it. But so yeah, I, I'm I'm curious more about this treasure company now because like they're still active. I didn't yeah. know they were like what other have you heard of uh, any other games they made? Um, uh, Alien Soldier is like the only one that people were talking about while I was playing it. Oh, here's actually a uh, here's here's some. Um, Here's some actually pretty pretty big names. Uh, apparently, in the same year, they also on Genesis they made McDonald's Treasure Land Adventure, which I've never fucking heard of, and now I need to own. Okay. Oh um, right, they okay they made Sin and Punishment, which is a pretty big one, I think. They made Dynamite Heady, which was kind of a failed uh, Sega, uh, you know, mascot attempt, I think. Actually, uh, of a yeah. platformer, and then there's really? also sorry. Oh, I was just gonna. Sorry, reading through these through their list of games, I'm actually yeah. not. Now I'm like, wait a second, holy shit! I've heard of like half of these. Yeah, uh, these or, are or big more, names. And these are man. big names. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they made right Alien Soldier. I mentioned, but uh, Guardian Heroes. I well, hang on. Even before the that, time. there was a. Uh, uh, oh, never mind. I've already read those. But I was gonna say Radiant Silver Gun. After that. Yeah, I've heard of that one a bunch. Uh, Mischief um, Makers, which is interesting because I've never played that, but I've always wanted to, and my brother actually got it for me for Christmas. They so developed Ikaruga. I'm going to be playing Mischief Makers pretty soon. Ikaruga, yeah, that's a huge one. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, someone else was just telling me about that uh, today. Uh, Ikaruga, made... I've heard, is just like a fantastic shoot 'em up. Uh, but dude, they've they've got games going all the way up to the 3DS era uh, for their this this Geist Crusher uh, series. There's, I think, there's a couple. No, it's just those two. Geist. I, apparently, that's a known name for them. But I've heard of Bangai O as well. And they have a Bleach game here. Uh, oh, and this is actually another thing I wanted to ask. So you you seem to like Gunstar Heroes so far. Um, how do you, do you plan on playing the Game Boy Advance title? The Game Boy Advance title? What are you talking about? Yeah, so there's not only just Gunstar Heroes. There's also Gunstar Super Heroes on Game Boy Advance, developed by Treasure. Oh, I never heard of it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll check it out, sure. I can't imagine it's going to be super affordable. Um, apparently, Sega published it for the Game Boy Advance. I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, it came out in 2005. Um, so one thing, so kind of to, uh, I, I guess, for closing the thoughts on like my review of it, is that I would say, like, this game is really cool, and if you're into retro games, you'll definitely like it. I think this game, uh, even like if people like modern games, I feel like this game did age really well as far oh. as if you look at it as like a new game. Like, if an indie game came out with this game today, I think it would feel really modern and really cool. Partly because the weapon up, the weapon combo system is awesome and like totally is a thing that I feel like you would see from like a creative indie game nowadays. But then also, the I mentioned that it's got sliding and diving and throwing yeah. dudes, and all of those kinds of things felt very modern to me as well, especially because people nowadays love air dashing, right? <laughs> I, I don't know if, I, if I, only I've noticed this, but like air dashing is something that more and more games have now, uh, and the dive in this you game You know what it felt, is, right? Um, say what? You know what it is, right? Air dashing, the popularity? Oh, uh, oh fighting games? Uh huh. Probably well, Guilty Gear, mostly to blame because. Well, nah, nah. I think it's something like Celeste. You know, like Celeste oh, is the most no. popular thing ever, and that's got air dashing in it. Celeste is the most popular thing ever. That's Celeste a- is a very popular game. Sorry, it's a hyperbole that I said, but Celeste is an <laughs> extremely popular game. I believe you because I've heard of it, but I don't even know what it is. Oh, it's really, really good, and you I just know I've it. seen it on Steam a lot, but. Yeah, um, it- Gunstar um, Superheroes on Game Boy Advance, by the way, actually less expensive. It's uh, 47 bucks loose, whereas Gunstar is 58 Yeah, um, Yeah, definitely. Gunstar Heroes, it was not a super cheap uh, pickup for, for Sega Genesis. Uh, but I sprung for the case, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It's worth but- it. Uh, but yeah, so, so anyway though, I was going to say like the diving in the game made it feel really modern with the air dashing with the bosses specifically. Like, you know, there's one boss specifically, you know, that like, you got to watch him, you know, you're trying to shoot him, but he's got like four different moves that he can do, right? There, okay, there's this one boss where it's like you, you're fighting this beefcake on, on the wings of a helicopter, right? Which is kind of making it sound yeah. like Contra a lot. Um, but it's like, he can do a move where he like... He, like, pumps up his arms, his biceps. He, like, does that pose. And when he does that, he's going to dash at you. So you got to jump and dive over him real quick, you know? So you do, like, this quick double tap on on A or C, I think it is, you know, to quickly, like, air dash over him, right, to get to the other side of him. Or sometimes he jumps up on the propellers of the helicopter that you're on, and he swings around the propellers a bunch, and then Randy Savage elbow drops you. (laughs) And you got a real quick, like, slide or or just kind of not get elbow dropped. But, But that's when he's vulnerable to be thrown. So it's like as he's elbow 
combo drop and you want to get right in there behind him and throw him and that does a shitload of damage. Or sometimes he farts and it like <laughs> blasts a bunch of fire across the, the wings of the of the uh, airplane of the helicopter that you're on. And when he does that, you know, you want to hold down and hit C, which like makes your character flip down into like the hanging like this motion where you're like hanging from the wing, right? Because then the fire goes across the top of it and doesn't hit you, you know? And it's, it's, it's that kind of shit where it's like, here's a boss. He's got four, three or four different moves. Oh, and I love this about it too. Every time that a boss comes up, it says the name of it and then it tells you the names of their moves that they do. Oh, cool. Which... You know, it's just a little thing, but I yeah. love it that, like, you know, it's like, yeah, uh, the move where he farts, you know, it has a name, right? Uh, I think it was just called Break Wind, but... Um, Usually they know. kind of, like, announce their moves if it's, like, a cartoony game like that, though, so it's weird that yeah. they would just kind of, like, give it as a subtext. <laughs> right, because the characters don't talk out loud. Yeah. I mean, they do. They make noises, you know, they, oh, yeah, you know, do that kind of stuff when they throw okay. dudes and stuff, but... It's good uh, for the info, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like a small enemy, though, right? That's a boss battle that's like a beefcake who's like a human, you know? And he's got a few different moves and you got to respond to him. But then there's other move, there's other bosses, right, that are like a big thing. Like there's one boss, for example, that's like a big robot kind of thing that's being piloted by a guy, but it transforms like seven times. It transforms into like seven different phases. So the boss fight is like five minutes long, you know, while, while it goes through every one of these different phases and you have to like memorize the moves of all of these different phases, but they're all pretty, si they're all pretty simple on their own, you know? It's like instead of it being a boss that has four different moves, this is like a boss that has one or two moves per phase, and uh, there's seven yeah. phases, you know? Um, so you kind of got to get good at all of them, and that's really fun, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah, I like, overall, the game rules. I, I, you know, I got a couple criticisms for it. One of them is just the Genesis controller, right? One of them is just oh. the, the control thing. <laughs> um, uh, dude, having to pick the two different control modes... Listen, the, you listen, know, listen. I'm going to... I'm gonna, I'm gonna, just, I'm going to break you out of this conditioning for a second. Okay, okay. The reason your Stockholm exist Syndrome exists for your shoulder buttons is only because you've experienced them also in the future past that point in time to where you're used to having it and you like its ergonomics, so you feel it. But when you go back to it, it feels just as good, feels retro or modern by, by that kind of standard compared to the Genesis controller. But in the context of the day, you had four buttons and a shoulder button that you had to work or you had them all right there for your thumb to choose what i'm seeing is i've played contra 3 on super nintendo and i've played gunstar heroes on genesis or to be even more similar i've played <laughs> contra hardcore on genesis right and when I play that Genesis one, I'm dearly missing the controls of the Super Nintendo one. Yeah, fair. Well, uh, okay, but you're playing a game that you have also played previously, which, again, to be fair, came out after this game, uh, with a control scheme designed around that. Yeah. Versus you're not. It's like it's yeah, like going one, one year better. back in time and going. God damn it! This product that came out later is better, and this sucks right now. In, in this current time, this sucks right now. <laughs> well, when they're trying to sell me that se that Genesis does what Nintendo what, and all this bullshit, I'm looking at it and says, Ah, you know, Genesis don't do shoulder buttons, and it's a problem. 
You know, that's true. That's fair. And I, I will admit the shoulder buttons are ergonomic as fuck for what that controller is. Um, let me just, I, I hear what you're saying. Let me just pause it. No, you. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> that's about where that's going to go. Console wars are pointless. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not trying to get yeah. into a console yeah, war. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I'm just <laughs> I'm saying, just like, saying. ergonomically, yes, I agree. But, like, and here, here actually, here's what I... Uh, I'll agree with you. I think, in fact, the Super Nintendo controller functionally is better with the way that human hands are laid out. But I think the layout for Sega Genesis originating from an arcade stick with six buttons is way better than a a Super Nintendo controller. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Like having an actual... not, fight stick's not the word, right word, but an arcade stick with six buttons, like the Genesis layout, I think that's way better. You're making it sound like the Genesis controller is just under-designed. No, 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 no. I, I'm, like they're I'm, like, I'm explaining... Oh, six buttons, we'll just put that on the controller, it's good! While Nintendo was like, hang on, we got two <laughs> thumbs, and then we got all these other fingers, let's use a couple of those, too. No, you no, know, no. If no, we're no, gonna no. hold this thing in our hands with our I five think... fingers on each hand. No, I think what it actually was, was uh, Sega assuming that the six-button layout with the D-pad would just be good, because Sega was a Approaching this era of gaming from uh, the perspective of how can we bring our arcade experience into people's homes? So I think they were just kind of trying to directly translate that experience as much as they could because right. from the from the control scheme itself, you were already having people at the time arcades were fucking exploding, man. So like, if you wanted to have that in your house. I don't think they were ready to make roadblocks for people uh, in, in, in changing up the controls just in, then and there. Yeah, but, but that's, but Super that's Nintendo, what I just said. It's it, under-designed. You think that's under-designed? Us, okay. And they're making assumptions. Okay. So <laughs> I, I don't know if it's under-designed, man. I think it was just uh, the wrong answer. Okay, sure. I, I think it was the wrong answer. And I think on the Sega Genesis, games designed around the six-button layout work beautifully and games oh, sure. on the super nintendo i mean they all work beautifully <laughs> it's nintendo um, at that time they couldn't miss yeah i haven't yet played a game that uses the six buttons on genesis i oh, have really a, yeah okay. i have a six button controller but none of the games have used oh it yet. this is important context to me then okay oh, yeah so maybe you would like it even less because <laughs> the six button controller is actually smaller than the three button um, mm. In my opinion, the three button is one of the most ergonomic uh, controllers ever made. Oh, I, ha- I had no problems with like the shape of the controller or anything. I think that it looks yeah. goofy, you know, but, it, it, like, yeah. but like it, it's comfortable in your hand. And like I was saying, the D-pad is great. It's not the Atari Jaguar controller for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got, we got Mortal Kombat in the chat. So I, 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 I understand why Super Nintendo... At that time, was better for that because Mortal Kombat is what's known as a five-button game. It's low punch, high punch, low kick, high kick, and block. Yeah, and later and on, in they Mortal added a Kombat, button. the block button they put in like the middle. Yeah, <laughs> man, it's fucking terrible. I know they were being oh, like I love Mortal Kombat to death, man. But mechanically, the game is garbage <laughs> compared to like what what all the the Japanese developers at the time were doing with Street Fighter and SNK with Fatal Fury and, and King of Fighters. Man, it's it's just it's it's something else. But 
its strength will always be its aesthetics and its ridiculousness and its crazy and hilarious good story. Um, love Mortal Kombat. Anyway, controllers. I love the six button controller, but I used it for six button controller games like Street Fighter, Street Fighter Two uh, mm-hmm. Champion Edition. Um, I played a lot of other games that didn't utilize it though, like Columns. Uh, I played a lot of Columns, man. Columns. I played. Shoot, Sonic didn't need but a three button controller. It was, you know, it actually makes sense to me now because it was Street Fighter Two itself was the reason the six button controller happened on the Sega Genesis. Actually, um, once they once once Street Fighter Two exploded in that time in the arcades and they were getting the ports for home consoles were getting to the point where people could have a lot of fun with them. You know, they were like, okay, we need to have this at home. And so that's, I guess where we come in with this under design that you said, which was we're bringing the arcade to the home, but you're playing with three buttons. So you're playing the game. I'm, I'm, I'm curious if uh gunstar heroes has a six button mode. No, I'm, I'm using a six button controller. Oh, you are. I'm, okay. Yeah. Just none of the games have used it yet that I've played. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Well, do you have a three-button controller? I don't think so. I'm sorry. Never mind. I'm thinking of something else. The six-button controller is what I'm thinking of. It has a little, like, shoulder switch on the top right. Yeah, there's, like, a mode button. I sit yeah. there and click it a lot just for fun doesn't and wishing do much that it ever, did yeah. something. Yeah. I've, I've noticed it doesn't do much in the games that I've played it in either. Um, but essentially, all it does is go, hey, uh, if you're a three-button game, here's a six-button controller. Press this, and now it'll work with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Well, uh, yeah, but so, so right, overall I wanted to just say Gunstar Heroes is awesome, yeah. totally recommend it, and I think that it, I think it ages really well also, because like I'm saying, a lot of the mechanics with how the boss fights feel and your character controls that you have with like the grabbing and the diving and the sliding and stuff, it feels really modern, like it totally feels like a game that in a cool indie studio would make a cool game with today, and people would play it and be like whoa this is neat you know but it's from fucking 93 and it's awesome so yeah really liked it you should play it i have a challenge that i'd like to issue you okay um there is no prize involved except for the data i am curious to see what your opinion is have you ever played jurassic park on super nintendo no. Well, I think when I was a kid, I played some kind of okay. Jurassic Park game. I don't remember which one me or too. anything about game it. Game Boy for me, and I loved okay. Game Boy. Um, it exists on Game Boy. It, it it's kind of like that one of that those weird early '90s games where it's just like, uh, I bought Jurassic Park to play. Oh, well, what did you buy it on? Um, well, you know, I I was thinking PS4 or Xbox, but like. There's also Stadia, but who who really knows about Stadia? Back then, no. Jurassic Park, oh yeah, we're going to make this game. Uh, we're going to put it on Genesis. We're going to put it on Game Boy. We're going to put it on Nintendo. We're going to put it on fucking Turbo. We're going to put it on fucking everything. 3DO. Um, it's all called the same thing. It's all called Jurassic Park. Each console, completely fucking different games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't have that anymore. It was, it was, it's a cool thing. So I'm curious, and I'm using Jurassic Park um, because it's the one example I know of that is not oh cross compatible is not the word, but like it's it's on the different consoles of the same generation, but it's a different game in between. And I'm curious to see. If you played both on Super Nintendo and then Sega Genesis, what your opinions would be of on each? Because where this came from was me thinking Dash is only playing 
the heavy hitters on Genesis. I want to see what Dash thinks of shitty games on Genesis. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go, and I want to see what your idea of shitty games are on well, I played Super Sonic Nintendo the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only going to agree with you there because I also played Sonic the Hedgehog, but only as an adult. I only played three as a kid, and as an adult, man, one was nowhere near what I was remembering three being as. Um, but one's not good. I'll admit that. But uh, I will. Uh, I, I I will say that one, in my opinion, is a tech demo. And, uh, of Mario, tr- <laughs> of Sonic trying to be Mario, and uh, two and three are really where Sonic became Sonic. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see like what your your idea, unrelated from that, of a trash Genesis game is like versus a trash uh, Super Nintendo game. And I just want to see like what you think might be better. Oh sure, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll hear about that someday. Yeah, I don't know how interested you are in Jurassic Park. That was just my <laughs> example. We talked about that on uh, on stream recently, where yeah. I watched, or sorry, where uh, the show I watched the movie. Oh, okay. Which actually, speaking of which, I've got, I do have another topic. Uh, Go for it. If if we have time, oh, um, well, which just is, to close that out, all I was going to yeah, say yeah. was that um, Jurassic Park. Uh, I played on Game Boy as a kid, loved it. It was a pretty good platformer, but the first game I ever streamed was the Sega Genesis. Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. and uh, man, I had I had Camel even with me in chat going like, okay, yeah, this game is broken. Like th- these levels don't even let you know how to get through them. Like it's fucking. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you and you've seen Jurassic Park, so for spoilers alert, uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen that, uh, you crash, um, you crash the the explorer in the movie off mm-hmm. the cliff. And even though that happens in the game's opening cutscene, the Jeep is what you walk away from <laughs> crashed in the woods in the first level. <laughs> Wait, you crashed the Explorer? You crashed the Explorer, and then the fucking Jurassic Park, like the Jeep, is actually overturned. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> in the beginning of the level. It's very strong start. <laughs> so I, I'll just leave you with that. I want to see you play that someday if, if you ever uh, feel like it. Sure, sure. All right, but you you played another game, you said? Uh, Not a game. Yesterday, my brother and I watched The Karate Kid, the original. Okay. I'd never seen it before. Have you seen that movie? Um, so is this the, uh, is The Karate Kid the, uh, that's that, like, they revived the Cobra Kai thing? Yeah, that's what that's from. Yeah, so I actually never saw it. When I, when I was a kid, I was a, I was a Three Ninjas kickback kid. Gotcha. (laughs) Do you mind me briefly discussing it? Yeah, or, go ahead. Or, okay, okay. So, so yeah, it's uh, the Karate Kid is is yeah. If you've heard of Cobra Kai, which is like a show now, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Um, Cobra Kai is the name of like the rival karate dojo uh, in the movie Karate Kid. So mm-hmm. Karate Kid is Ralph Macchio in the eighties. Uh, he's from New York. And his mom gets a job in L.A. or San Francisco or something. I don't know. It's in California. Uh, his mom gets a job in California. And so she and he move to California. You know, the movie opens with them arriving in California. Yeah. And the mom being like, oh, it's going to be so great. There's no more winter, yada, yada. And Ralph Macchio is like, oh, I don't know about it, ma. You know, and, uh, yeah, he's not, he's not so sure, right? So, um... 
Uh, he very, but it, it turns out, or it, it, you learn quickly that he's had a little bit of karate training, you know, at 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 his home town in New York. Um, but but when he gets into this uh, new uh, place, he meets this girl that's pretty, Ooh. and then some bullies though come by, and they like are bullying her, and he tries to stand up for her, but they kick his ass with karate, <laughs> and he knows a little bit of karate, but they kick the shit out of him with way better karate. Hell yeah! And and then it turns out that it's the ex boyfriend of this girl <gasps> that he likes now. So then he's in school, and these guys are giving him a hard time. They're beating him up, you know. Even outside of school, they beat him up, you know. And he's like, I got to solve this bully problem, you know. But then he finds out that Mr. Miyagi, mm -hmm. the, like, uh, repairman or the maintenance guy at the hotel, turns out to be, like, this really interesting guy from Okinawa who, like, does... Uh, uh, does the bonsai or bo is it bonsai trees? Bonsai. Um, uh, he does, he's you know he does the pruning of the trees and he he has all these this cool knowledge and stuff and then it turns out that he knows some karate and he makes a deal. It's well, just like it's just like the filmmakers of the time going. Yeah, that's some of that Japanese stuff. Write that in there. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing, is that it kind of seemed like it was going to be that at first, mm -hmm. but I found Mr. Miyagi to be a really great character, genuinely, and yeah, I think lot, that they- I heard a lot of people did, yeah. And I think that they did a good job having him kind of- educate people who do kind of think that way of like oh the crazy japanese stuff you know what is that uh fucking you know bonsai or whatever and he you know corrects them right because <laughs> like like uh uh the main character keeps calling him miyagi at first you know mm. and he's always correcting him you know and he's uh so so i felt like the the actual and like the details that he had you know he tells him like oh okinawa it's here in japan right japan is four islands and you know and that kind of stuff right it, it had some 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 good stuff like that in it um uh what i thought was interesting about the movie though was that okay so what happens is he uh, he tell he ends up telling Mr. Miyagi his problem at school about the bullies uh, and 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 how they know karate and they're from this other dojo, the Cobra Kai. And you know when he saw them at the dojo, the Cobra Kai, the instructor there was like this big asshole. That's like. You know, the whole mantra that he's teaching them is strike first, no mercy, you know, like that kind of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think is karate. Karate is supposed to be like special or is supposed to be like self-defense, self -defense, yeah. you know, yeah. But all that stuff, oh, no mercy, uh, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. And so um, when he ends up telling Mr. Miyagi about the problem, you know, Mr. Miyagi is very like, no, uh, fighting is always the worst answer, you know, or always the last answer and that kind of stuff. And he says they're going to go over and talk to him, you know. And so they go over and talk to him. And basically it all gets established halfway into the movie or whatever that um, Mr. Miyagi, it's, it's not going to work to just talk to him. And they need to make a truce that's like, okay, we'll fight. We'll fight, but not, not 
you know, on the streets, after school, not at school. We're going to have like a truce almost until the big karate tournament. The big karate tournament. Yeah. So, so now Ral- uh, Ralph Macchio is going to get taught karate by Mr. Miyagi to go beat up the Cobra Kai guys at the tournament. And that's the setup for the what the rest of the movie is going to be. All right. So all that happens. That's like act one, right? And then, so then act two is like the training, you know, and there's, uh, there's quite a bit of it, you know, sometimes he's dating the girl, sometimes he's training with Mr. Miyagi, and at first it's like Mr. Miyagi seems like he's just kind of jerking him around, because the first thing that he has is him do is wax all of his cars, you know, <laughs> Wha- wax on, wax off, right? God, there's and, so much of this that I recognize from like other things. Yeah, totally, <laughs> like the wax on, wax off thing was big, like yeah, I've heard that before. Not even just that though like even just like down to the straight up i need to learn this amazing thing from this old man but he's gonna make me do all this shit (laughs) right right so then he also makes him like sand the floors he makes Mm -hmm. him paint the fence he makes him paint his house and at some point ralph macchio is like what the fuck i thought you were gonna teach me karate and he's like Oh yeah, I have been teaching you karate. Check this out, and like he shows him that the the wax on wax off motion that he had to do to all the cars for six hours. Right now, oh, that's how I can block a punch. You know, <laughs> is with that action, right? And then it gets into some other stuff where at some point, you know, he keeps asking him, when are you going to teach me how to punch? You know, and he's like, mm, you know, <laughs> he knows better, right? Um, but here's where it started to get kind of weird to me that I felt like the movie was kind of missing something where at this point it didn't really feel like there was very much conflict anymore. There was this impending thing of the, of the tournament that was on the way, but it didn't like reinforce that as a threat. The movie, I felt like the movie while Ralph Macchio was learning karate from Mr. Miyagi and dating his girlfriend and everything's kind of happy. I felt like they could have used some scenes where like it showed Johnny, the bully at Cobra Kai learning the really getting better at karate also right yeah because you shoot it's like a rocky uh fucking you know versus yeah yeah i want i wanted there to be more no mercy strike first look how brutal johnny is you know i need like, the sith lord training of this other bully yeah. kid <laughs> yeah so i felt like that was kind of missing and it was kind of weird it made the movie just kind of about nothing for a while it felt do, like do you think movie uh movie development at that time had come along far enough to where that was i mean it had been right i mean we just mentioned rocky so right it is interesting when you watch this movie it is interesting to see like how differently a movie was made Mm -hmm. back then you know where like this whole concept and plot would be so like fucking basic snore for someone you know who's expecting a new movie it kind of seems like i don't know though i don't watch new movies but anyway um (laughs) Then, so you get this scene where, like, one day Ralph Macchio goes to Mr. Miyagi's, and he's, like, drinking, and he's wearing this old military, like, military uniform for some reason, and he's, like, talking about his wife, 
uh, oh no, his wife died. His wife died in childbirth. You know, he had a wife and they were gonna have a kid, but they both died and it's all tragic. Jeez. And Mr. Miyagi is like, yeah, and it's like all dramatic uh -huh. and he's he's crying and he eventually goes to sleep, you know, or whatever. And then Ralph Macchio starts training on his own, right? Then we get like this montage of Ralph Macchio doing everything without Mr. Miyagi. I now, feel like I know? don't even need to watch this movie anymore. <laughs> I'm kind of telling you the entire plot, but it's it's not even that you're telling me the entire plot. It's that I know that I'm. You're telling me the plot, and I'm seeing it in scenes from other movies. <laughs> oh sure, but here's the the reason that I'm telling you so much detail is because I need you to understand why I was confused by the very next scene. Mm -hmm. So Ralph Macchio is training. Uh, like without Mr. Miyagi now, you know, and it's like a big special moment, right? That it's like he's doing it himself, right? He's I feel like practicing. It's not a good thing, though. He's practicing his balance. He's practicing his moves, all that. And then in the middle of the montage of him practicing his own, then Mr. Miyagi's there, and he's wearing this like big padded suit and like a and like a face guard, and he's teaching Ralph Macchio how to punch. But there hasn't been like like a scene transition and I'm wondering why he's back you know it's like the last time we saw Miyagi he was crying and drunk and fell asleep and it was pathetic and sad I had an and incident then, but I've recovered and, and, and <laughs> right and and then like oh Ralph Macho, he's doing everything on his own now but then with no fucking what's the word without addressing any of that He's just teaching him another thing now in the same scene, and it was really jarring to me. Like, at first, I thought it was a dream sequence, or, or like, at, at, at first, I thought it was that, like, um, at first, I thought it was that Ralph Macchio was doing his training on his own, and then he was imagining Mr. Miyagi here now. Even the way it was shot with, like, the sunset in the background, and, like, it, it was a kind of hazy, you know, because mm -hmm. of the position of the sun and stuff. So it almost was like it was a dream sequence, you know? Like, he's imagining what Mr. Miyagi would be saying if he were here is what it seemed like. Yeah. But it wasn't. No, he was just literally there, and now also he's teaching him how to punch. <laughs> that was the other thing about it, was that that was the thing that was, like, being built up the whole time where he was asking him, like, when are you going to teach me how to punch, Mr. Miyagi? You know, but he was, mm, So you know. now all of a sudden he's just punching but with all of him. A and yeah. he's just showing him how to punch and there was no like build up to the it was weird uh. but anyway though anyway um you know hmm. i i won't spoil the ending or anything but uh it was it was good though i really liked it i thought that ralph macchio's performance was really good i'm always impressed when there's like a very young actor that's able to pull off a role and be like actually charming and deliver their lines believably and stuff you know he was good i liked him a lot in the movie and mr miyagi was awesome awesome character you know ralph uh, macchio uh, i'm trying to, i'm looking up a picture of him now um yeah his name was daniel in the movie i think but i don't know yeah um, i don't think i've seen this kid in anything else since like maybe that time but yeah, mr yeah. miyagi himself wasn't that uh played by um shit mr miyagi is known as uh yeah uh, fucking uh, sh Pat Morita. That was the yes. thing. So Pat Morita was wasn't he also in the Three Ninjas movie? Like, I don't know. I've never seen that. Maybe not. Okay, so hang on. Yeah, it's showing him in. 
Oh wait, no. Okay, I'm seeing a picture of him uh, a little bit older. No, definitely not the same dude. Okay, never mind. Yeah, there's a guy in the Three Ninjas Kickback who uh, who I thought was the same dude as Mr. Miyagi, um, but Three Ninjas was kind of like the you were you were talking about the, the 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 plot the entire time, and I was like, wait a minute. It honestly like halfway like if you remove the girl from the equation in the in the, in the initial start, keep the bullies, but like. <laughs> keep the fucking karate tournament it's like the same movie <laughs> yeah i so one thing about the movie that i did find was that and may, maybe this is just a thing of the times but like i really felt like there the stakes in the movie were really low you mm. know it was just like oh some bullies are giving me a hard time but we're going to beat them at the championship maybe you know and like that's the whole stakes of the movie you know, nothing's really riding on it. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Miyagi even really, like, gives the, get, like, one of his big things is saying that winning or losing doesn't matter because as long as you give them a challenge, you'll have earned their respect. You know what I mean? Which is a great lesson. That's a great lesson. But it also really deflates the conflict of the movie, you know? Like maybe if he had lost at the end <laughs> and then th and then that was the lesson, that could have been better. Like I, th I want I'm What was the Hang on, the conflict of the movie was that there was another rival dojo that was teaching karate and they were just a little bit more heavy-handed. Yeah, and the kids were assholes and they were beating them up. And they were beating up the kids. There was nothing like worldly at stake. Nobody was going to die. Right, which I, you know, I don't need it to you be. You don't need dead, that, yeah, of course. Stakes, yeah, of course. Like, I'm just, I'm just wondering how serious of a like, movie it was. Yeah, but like even like his girlfriend, there's never really an. There's like an. There's like a Is there scene. character development there? Well, there's like a scene where like the bad the bully tries to like sneak a kiss on her and she punches him, but Ralph Macchio only saw the kiss part and not her punching him, so he thought that they were kissing, you know, and like there's like a thing that's like that, you know. But overall it's like there's never really any conflict with uh, between the characters and you know the stakes were really low the whole time and I I just thought that was a little interesting it's not necessarily a problem um I it just stood out to me uh yeah. but oh, yeah overall I don't know overall I thought the movie was really good and uh why and are we I, talking about this again though I would recommend it. I just brought it up I don't know okay. I watched it yesterday and it's you, a, okay it's, you just saw it then all right it's yeah. a movie from the 80s so i thought it's it's close enough also there's a karate kid video game for the nes that sucks Is so i there? thought you know maybe uh i only heard that it sucks but you know what i heard it sucks from avgn and uh <laughs> avgn also had a, has a review of castlevania 2 that says it sucks and castlevania 2 is awesome mm, so well you know. castlevania okay castlevania 2 is awesome uh, okay, Castlevania Two is is great. It's not awesome. I maybe. like it. I, I do enjoy it. But I went in knowing there was some bullshit afoot. Well, yeah, me too. Like, so that's a huge thing, right? And Castlevania One and Three are on another level. Yeah. from Castlevania Two, right? Yeah, 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 totally, totally. But it doesn't suck. Yeah, but yeah, doesn't that, suck. that's. 
that's the thing about AVGN is that like those those reviews are played up for comedy, you know. And, oh, absolutely, uh, yeah. And um, so the only of- um, I'm not I'm not a big AVGN person, but like the one skit I think that made it across my radar was the 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 Intellivision, which oh man is crazy because I now actually own as an adult. I have an Intellivision, and later on I actually bought the like the voice the vocoder side attachment thing yeah. to the console that you would attach another game into one of those games being B17 bomber <laughs> oh i think you've told me about this yeah yeah so that's the one avgn thing i know is the B17 bomber like that's right. like the classic video of him that's the only angry video game nerd I ever watched. I, like, gotcha. he does, he's called Cinemassacre now, I think. But well, I haven't Cinemassacre, watched Cinemassacre. Yeah, either. that's like the that's like the ownership, or it's like his company. Oh, okay. it's like his company, right? Well, oh, AVGN okay. is like the show. But yeah, it's always been like a comedy thing for laughs, right? Where he play he's playing a character that is overly angry about about things that are annoying in games, right? Um, and so the reviews are very, very harsh on the games and basically say that everything sucks, you know. Uh, and I think that while it's funny, um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this is a problem with AVGN. I'm saying that this is a problem with how people have taken it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like people have taken it too seriously. Yeah, man. Well, there's and- so much, like, between, like, okay, so especially at that time when AVGN was kind of growing, cable TV was still huge. Yeah. And so, like, you people kind of, like, take any kind of production quality level show to be the same like idea is okay well this is how a tv show would go and of course back at that time in youtube you know if you were putting that much money and time into it you were probably trying to film it like a tv show so i feel like it's gonna be like a serious review can't really come off with those antics in the same video and and not be like the highlight of the video or people's experience like that's going to color the review for people Mm mm-hmm yeah, AVGN. I, I I wonder if it even predates YouTube. Maybe it just predates YouTube's I don't think so. popularity. I know it wasn't on YouTube at first. It was on like a different video service. Was it? You know, because okay. um, might have even been just on Cinemassacre's web. Or it was on Screw Attack. Was that the name of it? Screw Attack was okay. So I'm talking on my ass here, but Screw Attack. I learned about tangentially from following Funhouse at the time, which is a Rooster Teeth production uh, house property. Screw Attack became a Rooster Teeth property later on, I want to say. Okay. But I don't think, I don't know if Screw Attack predates YouTube, but I do know that the Funhouse dudes were talking about Screw Attack as if it were an older show. So. Yeah, yeah. It, mm. Like this is right forever ago. Um yeah. and and the reason I bring that up too though is that like the thing is back then uh the idea like you like you're saying cable TV was huge. You know it wasn't video games and programs about video games. Maybe there was tech TV or something at some point, but uh tech but TV. Like, what, oh, what was that? That sounds familiar. G4? G4. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, I think it was tech TV and then G4. I think it was well, you're G4, right, tech yeah. Tech TV, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, point is though, the idea of like going on 
the internet and here's a video that some guy made where he yells about Nintendo games was like extremely novel, you know? Yeah. You couldn't find that. There weren't there weren't oh. 10 million people doing that, you know. Well, okay, but there was one. <laughs> and I want to say and and here's how popular it was. I don't even remember the fucking name of the kid, but like there was like people who would go on public access TV like for yeah. their local TV stations that you know probably didn't get syndicated anywhere else in the country but they would go on public access TV and they'd be the they'd be this nerdy little kid who would sit there and he'd be like I have a phone line that you can call 1-800 something I'm the Nintendo master and no kids in your neighborhood know much about Nintendo than I do he would okay. always say Nintendo not like the Nintendo console or the Super Nintendo. I know more right. about Nintendo than you do, and I'm the master, and I only charge like two ninety nine a minute to listen to it. You know, it's like you'd be live on the show. You'd call in. You'd be on our show, and I can give you hints on video games. And well, to be fair, you know, probably the questions were probably scripted, but like, you know, the kid kind of like came off like he he knew what he was talking about, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, he spoke in language that only a person actively unpausing and pausing in that level at that moment would understand. So I can't really, you know, sp- you know, vouch for his, uh, his credibility there, but there were people doing video games on TV before mm-hmm. it was like a, you know, like a, uh, I guess like a nationwide cable TV syndication. Yeah, I I don't remember anything like that on our public access. Ba- I don't either. But, you yeah, know, this is this on is U- this YouTube. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. Well, not, not on YouTube, but like it's like video You've compilations. Seen, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, well, that's my point then. So you're you're watching something then that's from before, and back then there was not very much shit like this, right? Exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was a, that was a huge thing for AVGN that uh, that made him super popular right that he was the only guy doing this uh or or, you know at the time um and then also though i feel like maybe it was partly because people didn't really get the internet as much but it's almost like people a lot of people didn't pick up on the sarcasm or the satire at first you know and they're just taking this idea at complete face value that Castlevania 2 is the worst game ever or Karate Kid is the worst game ever you know uh, because that's how he acted you know um, you think uh, yeah. you think sarcasm is hard to translate online now think about back then <laughs> right yeah because like back then you didn't have context for the way that people made videos yeah. you know what I mean you didn't have serious video game videos and jokey video game videos to distinguish between you know it was just here it is here's yeah. angry video game nerd this and is, he's mad about it you here's know? TV that you get off the internet enjoy right and like part you know and maybe it's also just how young I was and how young a lot of people who watched that was because at the time video games were also generally for that younger audience and that younger audience also can't pick up on sarcasm and is naive enough to think that the angry video game nerd is a real person and not a character yeah I you mean, know like, what I mean there's evidence of this all over the place like you can you can play video games from like 2008. 2009 and still like see the time capsule of that period where it's like okay games were all the way up until this time 
developed almost exclusively for like teenage and young young men like it's there's 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 very little like uh concessions made to 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 be appear kind of like soft to to or, or open to women gamers you know because like at the time even then like, i want to say it was like the 90s gaming was not perceived as an everyday thing obviously you know gaming was like a thing nerds did yeah. and kids were kind of getting into it now because of this confounded new pokemon thing and and mm-hmm. mario bros you know like kids are trying to get into this now and what or you know whatever but like at the time it was it was mostly just nerds kids whatever it, it wasn't like ever like you know, even teenage guys were not so much into in video games at the time. It'd be like the kind of like the nerdy kids going to the arcade, you know. The teenage guys were all about football, uh, fucking the jocks, the typical like aesthetic there, you know. Right, uh, they, definitely. Like when I was in grade school, right? Like, like I got a hard chess time. club was big. <laughs> yeah, like w- when I was in grade school, I had I got a hard time from people for playing video games, right? Because it was a. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there were there were the nerds and there were the jocks, just like yeah. you, you know, just like you'd say. And I was a nerd because I played video games. You know, yeah, yeah. We were bullied for, dude. I remember um, specifically in the in middle school, like around two thousand two, two thousand three. I uh, I was like so Im- like I would I would hide go gr- through great lengths to hide the fact that I played the Pokemon trading card game still, mm, like, mm-hmm. competitively, because that was just so uncool if you were out of elementary school at the time, because Pokemon was for kids, right? So, like, I was I was so up into the, into the card game and, and video games in general at the time. Like, at that, I guess I, I was with the N64, uh, PS2 era, you know, playing Pokemon still. It was, like, it was so nerdy to admit that you loved video games in general that it, like, being into Pokemon, it was just like, come on, man. And then as soon as I graduate high school, I remember this, as soon as I graduate high school in uh, 2008, early 2010 started rolling around, and like, you were not cool if you didn't like Pokemon. Like, all the fucking kids had DSs now, 3DSs playing fucking Pokemon all the time, and I was like, you motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking hate kids. And like, it was like, all right, yep. Now I get why old people hate kids. Here we go. Let's go. Because <laughs> I would get beaten up for liking what you like. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I guess that was a rambly way to go about like saying, um, yeah, it was all a male-dominated thing at the time. There wasn't like it, – it, it wasn't popular culture yet. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, uh, well, anything else uh, that you – yeah, um, I, I I played a game recently. Uh, well, oh. recently I've uh, I'm I'm not gonna go too deep into it because yeah, we're already uh, two hours in almost. But um, I've mostly been perfecting my Sea of Thieves and Street Fighter Three Third Strike game lately. Those are my my main go tos. But uh, I did play this game that I got recommended to because of the studio that made it. A studio that made, uh, named Cave. Are you familiar? Yes, they made Death Smiles. And that's the game I played. Oh, really? Let's I've go. Played, I played and and uh, I guess beat question mark. You know, at that difficulty level, death smiles. Mm-hmm. And god damn it! At first, that was like, oh, okay. I'm not gonna dance around this. It's an elephant in the room. I want to address it now. What the fuck is with like the? Oh my god! I think the characters start at nine years old, and uh, they yeah. go. 
up to up to 17 and it's just like they're all like little girls scantily clad dressed in like these crazy like you know uh, okay so the game is touted as a gothic I think they call them lollies flock yeah. uh, fla- uh, fla- what's your name Knox you know get with it oh, well <laughs> <laughs> so okay so it's called uh, Lolita actually <laughs> Lolita is a. I want to say it's actually most popular in Japan, but it's like a form of like like a sub form like the goth culture, where it's Mm -hmm. like the like the kind of doll kind of esque style. Like um um how do I put childish dress? I guess. Well, yeah. When I say lolly, that is a little different than goth Lolita, which (laughs) is a more specific thing that Death Smiles is. But 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 hang on. So that term is a little bit more closely accurately representing what's going on with the character cast um maybe it's just expected that oh you know if you're from you know the east that this is they're a thing that that's gonna have man they're not that scantily clad they're not and okay th- uh, i'm just gonna say that this is like only at first it was my hang up and okay well it never stopped being my hang up but anyway it's like only at first I was like, okay, that's a weird red flag. And then past the character selection screen, game's fine. Game's so fucking good, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, as a shoot 'em up bullet hell game, I was like, when I first, I want to say I saw someone else play it. It might have been a different game, but it, bullet hells in general. I noticed when they started, you know, when the whole screen filled up with bullets, it was stressful as fuck to watch. But when I actually played through it myself, my like my ADHD hyper focus comes in and it just perfectly syncs up with the, what I assume is at this point, intentional slowdown of the game based off of how many sprites are on the screen uh, of all the bullets that I can actually focus enough to just go, Oh, here's my hitbox. I'm going to move left down, right up, right. And then that's no longer stressful. So yes, Holy shit. That was way easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah, one thing about bullet hells is that there's 10,000 bullets on the screen, but you're only looking at 2% yeah, of them when you're, you're playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're maybe looking at... Once I learned that like the shining like red diamond in the center of my character sprite was my hitbox, the game got so much easier. Because I play the game thinking the entire sprite is the hitbox, right? Mm-hmm. And in that game... I had to use my bomb every time if I wanted to repel bullets away from my sprite or what I th- you know, when I think I'm going to get hurt. So, um, yeah, I was like, okay, this is a fucking good game. Um, I played it enough to, and man, actually approachable is a good word too, because if you're not a shoot 'em up fan, uh, or, or even, uh, if you like shoot 'em ups and you think you might want to get into them, this is where I suggest you might start. If you think you might, uh, find a bullet hell stressful because dude, it, it was so manageable that like, only the last level felt like where the skill ceiling started. Um, or the, the skill wall, I guess I should say. It, it felt like the last level was where I had to uh, go from sitting in a lax position to hunching forward and paying attention. Because that's when uh, the enemies started having more complex patterns moving around the screen, when their projectiles would start homing after a straight beam shot. And uh, it's just like, oh, Oh, things are weird now. Okay, let's pay more attention. And then after that, it was fine. I don't think I played it on a hard difficulty, but, like, dude, it was so doable that, like, I think I don't think I, I don't think I've ever played a shoot 'em up game that had so much going on that was still so manageable for me. 
And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so basically, to uh, I mean, if anyone is totally lost about what you're talking about, Death Smiles is yeah. a bullet hell game where you play, it's one of those ones where you play as like a magical girl who, yeah. you know, she's just flying around and shooting spells, right, as you as you shoot, uh, and, you know, her hitbox is only a tiny little part of her heart, um, so it makes it more manageable that your character isn't a little ship, rather it's a it's a magical girl right because only part mm-hmm. of her can actually get hit um and then the really uh, the thing that stood out the most to me about death smiles is that you can shoot right or you can shoot left and the game calls for that at different times right sometimes enemies are coming from the right and sometimes they're coming from the left uh i haven't played very much of it so i don't know like a ton about it um, I've heard that the scoring system is really, really excellent once you get into it, mm-hmm. uh, which I can believe because, you know, the w- the one bullet hell that I have played a lot of became like a whole new game when I started paying attention to the score. Um, uh, and like it got really lots cool. Of like uh, multiplayer or multipliers or uh, Yeah, like that, that kind of thing, exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, I didn't pay too much attention to the score, but I guess thinking about it now, with a bullet hell game or a shoot 'em up game like that, um, how else do you pay attention to be competitive? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, the one bullet hell game that I've played a lot of um, is called Astral Gunners. You've played a tiny bit of it, yeah? Did I? I think oh, so. I'm not I sure think, about that. I think. Oh yeah. Is you it, may what, what have played it a tiny bit. It was on PC. It was on early access. A friend of mine made it, and I I think you were one of the people I reached out to to be like, hey, check this out, and maybe you played it for like oh. a day. Shit. Um, but just to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to check out my friend's friend's game, you know. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe you ne- you never did. I, I reached out ADHD to a bunch struck. of people. Perhaps. Yeah. Anyway, point is, uh, a buddy of mine has a game on Steam uh, that's in early access right now called Astral Gunners. Uh, it's now, it's yeah. quite inspired by uh, those types of games. He's a big fan of Cave. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so the reason I bring it up is because like the scoring system totally changes the game where the first time that you play through it, you are just trying to survive, right? Um, and then you've got these special moves, right? You can, you can shoot. There's a, there's five different characters that, that have different abilities, right? They each have just a normal shot that they do that shoots bullets, or they've got like a secondary shot that does something kind of special, which each character is. Yeah, one yeah. character it's a charge shot, one character it's homing missiles, mm. one character it's a melee sword, uh, one character has like a second buddy that follows them around and the yeah. second shot button is able to control that, you know? Um, so yeah, all the characters are super different, but then they also all have a defensive ability and a special, right? And the special is able to wipe bullets off the screen. And now the easiest one to think of is the character whose special is just a bomb, you know, just a smart bomb like they all have. That's your only one character, right? Another character is like they put a big shield up in the middle of the screen and uh, that just blocks bullets for a longer amount of time, you know? So you can imagine the circumstance where that would be more useful than just a one-time bomb clear, right? But so, so at first you're using the special defensively, probably, to help you survive, right? But when a special clears a bullet, you know, like when a bullet gets cleared by the special, um, 
it converts it into score multiplier. Ooh. So they like convert into a little into a little orb that flies up into your score, you know? Do you, do you then, have to catch the orb first? No, they automatically go up there. Right. Um, so so that starts increasing your score multiplier. So each special that you use raises your score multiplier until it hits a hundred. And when it hits a hundred it gets really crazy and it goes overload and then it, it boosts it up to 200, right? So instead of just going to 100, your score multiplier boosts up to 200 on a timer. So it's like you build up this multiplier and you're getting more points as you do it until it blows up into a 200 times multiplier that's timed, right? So then for a little bit of time, you have that. And when it's when you're in that state, every time that you shoot an enemy, your bullets that hit them get converted into score medals, you know? So it's like not only are the enemies dying, giving you 200 times points, but just shooting them is giving you points now for hmm. a limited time until that runs out, right? So, it sounds like a. It almost sounds like a fucking way to make pinball more fun. <laughs> it's it's awesome because yeah, it's, it's like great. like I'm saying the first time you use your specials totally defensively, but then you start to realize oh I can get my multiplier up with them you know, then you start getting used to the overload system and I have at this point because like I you know yeah it's my friend's game but I really fucking like it and I've played a shitload of it at this point where like I. I, I've spent time in the practice mode and in like the individual levels mode routing out every level of like how can I squeeze as many overloads possible out of it you know what I mean like like there are parts where I will not shoot the enemies to let them shoot a shitload of bullets and then if I time my special just right I can get an overload in one special you know Satisfying. and then and then boom get an overload yeah there and yeah. then so I, I've got it routed out you know where I use a special here here and here and oh, every shit. time I get an overload and the overloads are extra good because like this one kills a boss so that gives more points you know and it's like I, I've it's so fun to like maximize your score yeah it's, it's fun uh, to it's like calculate the uh, the outcome of how much risk you can take yeah, yeah. So back to death smiles. I imagine that there you can get into that with that game also because you know I talked to my buddy about death smiles a little bit and he was saying like yeah if you get into that game the you'll see in the scoring system how it's similar. Yeah, I mean it's I I actually um, unexpectedly played it after I beat it once. I played it through again because it was addicting enough for me to want to try another character. But um, when I played another character, it felt still very similar. Like, the charge attacks did the same thing. Um, that was probably my biggest criticism with the game, which was um, it kind of kills the replay value when all the characters feel the same. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, one thing I can say about Astral Gunners is the characters feel super different. Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. That's yeah. good. And that's what you need for a fucking shoot 'em up game, because what else is there but the ways that they shoot? Um, it, mm. like, it's like even like uh, I think of well, games like uh, you ever played Audio Surf? Yeah, yeah. Audio Surf takes that concept of a shoot 'em up game and just does it with your music and goes with the beat and makes it a rhythm game. And I thought that was one of the coolest concepts ever. Um, but even that game has more depth than I'm willing to explore so far because I'm not a big shoot 'em up uh, huge fan yet. Where it's just like okay, I can play this character. 
uh, and it would change the entire fucking gameplay up if I play if I play this character, or I could play the same kind of character but with an added bonus ability that lets me do this and modify that, mm-hmm. uh, but we're still in the same game mode as this character, and it's just like that game really invented, reinvented the wheel on how to do the same thing over and over again. Um, and I think shoot 'em ups can probably learn from that. But you know, this game was like uh, I want to say it was a 360 game, Xbox 360. Yeah, it yeah, is on PC now though. Yeah, and it's mm, it's fantastic by the way. The graphics are like. They're not pre-rendered like some old school shoot 'em up games, which some do well, some don't. Uh, but they have pre-rendered like videos, you know, cutscenes, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, to be intermediaries between levels and such. But like this one was like, there's 3D effects with 2D sprites happening all over the screen, and it looks beautiful. The the game's art style, I I am a big fan of for sure. Yeah, a lot of lot of sprites, um, yeah. you know, which is really cool to see on a 360 game just in general, you know. Yeah, just no, it, still, it, still because it's sprites. like it's one of the things. It's like the you know the underlying hardware is running all 3D application, you know, DirectX shit constantly, and the sprites are there as like a courtesy almost. Like the yeah, GPU yeah. doesn't even know they're there, probably uh, no uh, pro- power wise, but like the fact that they're there and seeing what something like a powerhouse like an Xbox 360 can do with 2D graphics like that is insanely cool to see because that's something that like a Super Nintendo or a Sega Genesis, something that did graphics like that at the time, had no capability of doing, manipulation-wise. Uh, I'm not sure if I missed an option, but was Death Miles 4x3 when you played it? Uh, yes, it was, and I I, okay. I, I played it 4x3 because I have a CRT monitor that I'm actually talking to you on right now. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if... if uh, um, yeah, it's still letterboxed a little bit because this, this CRT monitor is actually 5x4. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it has yeah, a 4x3 That's also mode. interesting about it as a that I do, game. Um, that I do prefer in because I tried the 16x9 mode and, dude, it gave me a 4x3 game with just a gigantic fucking like, side art with letterbox. And I was like, what's oh, the point? Okay. Yeah, what's yeah. the point? Like I get yeah. it, I get it. That's an older game. You you don't want to make a four by three game into a sixteen by nine game by giving you extra uh, uh, field of view that the developers didn't intend for you to see. Yeah, and, uh, or like, stretching you, it. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we won't talk about those monsters. <laughs> but um, if you were to take you know a four by three shoot 'em up game and make it sixteen by nine, first of all, if it's if it's a vertical shooter, you're doing nothing. Pretty much, mm-hmm. you're just giving yourself some more, you know, you know, widescreen well, scenery. unless you turn your uh, screen, unless you turn your monitor. If you vertical, have tape mode, yeah, yeah. If you turn which, your monitor vertical, yeah, yeah. Which but is I, a thing that is common that people do. Like I, I think, right? People who are super into vertical shooters just have a vertical monitor, yeah, yeah or yeah, monitor absolutely. stand that that um, turns it. Uh, yeah, a lot of people. Okay, so a lot of people uh, like HP Dell monitors. Uh, I want to say like the mid to 2010s had rotatable uh, bases. So you could just use one of those, but you know, then you'd be using a shitty old HP or Dell monitor. You could just buy a monitor stand and accomplish the same thing. But yeah, yeah. Uh, vertical monitors have been popular for a w- long while. Specifically, um, the first time I, ne- I ever noticed them at work was when I was working with developers. And I was like, oh, that makes a ton of sense. You got a long fucking sheet. You want to see all lines of code. You don't want to have to scroll forever. It makes sense. Yeah. And now I use one for Twitch chat was the intended purpose. 
just a dedicated monitor for Twitch chat. But uh, man, for Discord and Twitter, holy shit, mm-hmm. insanely good because it's like a giant phone. We, I was just going to say but, it makes perfect sense, you know, yeah. with fo- like everybody, everybody uses a vertical monitor and it's their phone, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it totally makes sense that those kinds of things would translate that way. So, yeah, I wanted to, to cut back to one thing that you said, which was that, like, it took a little bit of replay value out for you uh, that the characters felt the same. Mm-hmm. Um and, and yeah, I, I, I was going to say that, like, I was gushing about Astral Gunner's scoring system, um, but I think that that's really important to say also that, like, if you're not into the scoring or maybe just before you get into it or that kind of thing, um, yeah, it is a really nice thing just to keep someone casually playing the game to give them a different way to play it, you know? And um, I, think it, I think it might just be uh, sticking out more to me because as a... You know, as a gamer, I'm I'm definitely more into arcade-ish fighting games. Not fighting games in general, but, like, multiplayer games, I would say. So I'm used to a character selection screen, uh, meaning vastly different things between each character. Yeah, and yeah. And if your character selection screen for your single-player experience is just a matter of aesthetical change... Um, Maybe I don't have as much right to be as, as upset about it, but it will. It does kill the replay value for me if I have really no other reason to play those characters. You know. Sure, sure. Yeah, and that's one thing that's really nice about Astral Gunners is that, like, if you don't care about the score, you know, you might still just want to play through the game again as a different character, just for mm-hmm. that different feel. Also, uh, all of the characters have different dialogue. Uh, at the starts of each stage and with each boss, you know, like um, the the my buddy who uh, you know wrote the game and designed it and programmed it uh, with his brother, he's also a huge Dark Souls fan, right? Um, <laughs> and is very much into the idea that there shouldn't just be expository story yelled at you, and rather the story should be something that's in the background that is there for you to pick up on if you want to pay attention to it, right? And the way that that kind of comes through is when you play as the different characters, they ha- each one has a different interaction with the different bosses, you know? And so you can kind of pick up on different details details about the story based on the tidbits that you're getting from the different characters right so yeah for those different reasons you have you have multiple you know you, you have reasons to to play as the different characters and also there's multiple difficulty modes and that's another great thing right is maybe you don't care about score but you want to play on hard mode right yeah. uh and you know that's that's a whole thing as well and i I'm wouldn't def- even mind that if it was disguised as that like if it were yeah. just three characters and they were just difficulty levels hell yeah I'd, 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 castlevania did that with a well, I can't say for sure about it yet, but uh, to fucking uh, Rondo of Blood, right? Isn't uh, playing Maria the quote-unquote easy mode? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, it, I don't it feels that. like a totally different game, though. Well, when and you're that's the that's the thing, though. That's replayability. Yeah, yeah it I was like great. the I, I like the idea of um, you know, if it's a single player experience, make make three different fucking games. As far as I'm concerned, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I will for sure play more Death Smiles, and uh, maybe, uh, maybe I'll I'll have yeah, more. Maybe details. I'm missing something here. Yeah, yeah, I'll have more details to say about it. My uh, I will from say what I played I it, it. Uh, I I did not play it sober. So <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but 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 man, like that was kind of like the thing that took me by so so much by surprise. By it was uh, 
the fact that I wasn't playing it sober and still winning and mm-hmm. like having a good time enough and such that I could still focus and like avoid the bullets. And I was like, man, this is like, Ooh, this is what it feels like to focus. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, like I was saying, I, I you know, careful. I haven't, it, it, it's actually, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt you again, but like, I, I was just like, it's a different feeling of, of gaming where it's like, I'm not like in a situation of high tension, high excitement, and uh, I, I my challenge is to beat that in focus and press a button at the right time. It's, oh, a lot's going on, but I feel strangely calm and zoned in and able to focus, and I'm very lightly just in control while everything looks like it's utter chaos. Totally. And yeah, it's uh, like I haven't played a lot of bullet hells, but from my experience with like these two i would say it's probably a it's probably a, a genre that i could get super into i actually just bought gradius for nes the other nice. day and i i realize that's not really a bullet hell you know yeah. because it's Shoot just an nes game but like uh but you know i i'm i'm trying to um i've been <laughs> yeah. more interested in getting more into them especially because gunstar heroes had that space shooter level that I've, i really liked you know so i don't yeah, think I did, the nes could handle a bullet hell Right, so <laughs> definitely, I'm 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 getting more into space shooters, and then specifically, yeah, on PC, I'd like to play more Bullet Hells for uh, sure. But hey, I mean, I'm like, uh, I think I think I fell in love with shoot 'em up games uh, when I first played Twin B. Like, so I can't knock the the NES Famicom, you know. Mm-hmm. Twin B is a fantastic game, and it's vertical too. I, I, I think Twin B has made me realize I think I prefer vertical, even if it's not even a vertical monitor game, mm-hmm. just a normal straight up TV. I think I prefer vertical shoot 'em ups, but um, shoot 'em ups in general, like they're just like there's so much. Uh, it's a it's a different kind of gaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I like them, and yeah, Death Smiles uh, from what I played, really cool. I'll play more of it too. Just weird about those character ages, though. <laughs> Very weird. That's all I'll say. That's mm-hmm. that's why I brought it up. Anyway, I played that recently. Good game. I recommend it. But uh, uh, just don't uh, don't get hung up too much on the on the menu. I guess <laughs> <laughs> the starting menu. Well, um, you seem very self-conscious about this. Were people making fun of you? No, it's just it just felt gross to experience <laughs> uh, for firsthand uh, live being recorded. I was like, oh, this is weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why is this like? It was the first thing I saw in the game was, oh, these are children and they're, mm. mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. my my chat at the time was like. Also talking about like how like uh you know different countries in the world have different age of consent laws and like sure. that on top of the gameplay was like yeah this is weird. <laughs> From what I played, I felt like the characters were not at all sexualized and not yeah, scantily clad. And, and that's what I was but pleasantly surprised cute. by. You know, they were definitely like cute. Um, they, they they were kawaii in that sense for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh right. But like but yeah and that's that's the thing is like as soon as the menu is done there was like pretty much zero sexualization in general Mm -hmm. which is actually not the case for a lot of uh games in the genre i would call cute ups which is like Mm -hmm. what it's referred because you brought up gradius right the uh konami has a uh was was gradius konami i think it was yeah. So they also made a side series called Parodius, like just calling it parody, but 
but of Gradius. Oh, okay. Um, and so they made like a cute em up style and then uh, like shoot them up, you know, to accompany it. But then they also made Sexy Parodius. Okay. The game is literally called Sexy Parodius. And uh, it's funny, on Twitter I saw some screenshots of uh, the different various versions of it. There was a Turbo Graphics version, uh, an any, or uh, a Famicom version, and then uh, the arcade version and the Sega Gen, uh, Sega Saturn version, I want to say. And um, the Sega Saturn version and the arcade version were predictably the most like adult themed. Like uh, the arcade version absolutely had the most beautiful colors and most detailed uh, graphics and pixels, but like the Sega Saturn, very closely detailed, but like. You know, a little bit more like skin showing, I want to say, but it was like a, a like a it, it was like a fucking uh, show dancer, like a like a um, I mm, was okay. a burlesque dancer in the arcade version, and then like in the Famicom version, it was like this fully clothed like what you would imagine like a like a lady magician, like at oh, a okay, magic yep. show to be wearing like a, like a top hat. So it was still like this magical kind of cute environment with with no adult theme to it for the mm-hmm. I guess presumably because in Japan fam- the Famicom was more of a uh, family a kid's computer. Family, yeah, exactly. The kids more had a little bit more time on it. So, um, but like the actual the game was still called Sexy Parodius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, they they got adult themed. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. in this game. It was right, just and specifically that they listed their ages as very young for some reason. I was like, right, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> and you're right. It's at some point, you know, yeah, sometimes with with you know, when you're playing a lot of Japanese games, at some point it does come up where you're like, okay, we gotta talk about mm-hmm. cultural differences yep, here for a yep, moment. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, over there things are different is the only word I'll use. Mm-hmm. And uh man, it was just the fact that uh, it wasn't even so much of the like okay we'll talk about cult- cultural differences it was just that it felt so fucking unnecessary like oh, okay. w- with like a lot of the japanese games you 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 get the cultural difference thing and you you see uh characters that look very youthful while being scantily clad and you just kind of assume but this game just straight up throws it in your face the first two minutes that you play it this girl's nine this girl's 11 this girl's 13 this girl's 17 and it's just mm-hmm. like what the fuck why why even like put the text there like <laughs> Uh, it just felt so nasty. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's me. I, sure, I, I don't sure. know. Yeah, it was weird. That's that's my reaction. I'm allowed to have them. I guess that's <laughs> good game. Otherwise, just fucking weird menu. That's that's my <laughs> that's that's my review. All right. Well, all right. That's uh. That's gonna. I think that's a wrap. Right. That's gonna be episode thirty-one. I'm properly wrapped. Are you wrapped? Me too. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Well, we will be back uh, two Wednesdays from now, if all goes according to plan. We'll be back uh, screaming at you more about uh, weird video game shit nobody else cares about, except for people that come here. Yeah, you know. I think that's sounds that's, that makes sense to me. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. Okay. Good night, everyone. See you later. Night, dudes. <laughs>